Welcome back to the Agile Administrator. I'm Julie, Director of Research at Participate. And I'm Allison. I'm an education strategist at Participate. Always great to have the chance to chat with you, Allison. Oh, I love it too, Julie. And this is like a topic I've been anxious to talk to you about. It's a one that's near and dear to our heart, I believe. Um, yeah. I hear you say that often. Communities of practice. That's right. Yeah, communities of practice are a really important topic for us because we believe in it. We believe in it for adult learning. We really even believe in it for all kinds of learning because it's social. Exactly. Um, learning is social. We, we see that. I watch it in with our children. I watch it um, with adults. Um, people need connections to one another around a central topic or domain or something they're passionate about. And when that connection happens, then the collaboration just it really takes off. It right? takes off. Yeah. And I think it is this kind of exponential almost speed of learning when that, when that wor- really works. So we're really excited. This is a three-part series. And we'll be talking to Kim Murfitt, um, who's a Yay. close. Yay! <laughs> She's a close colleague of ours um, at Participate, but she also spends half time and most of her career as an instructional coach, mentor. She's worn lots of hats. She's currently uh, in a school in Cabarrus County, North Carolina. So we're going to talk to her in these three parts around communities of practice, and we're going to dive into separate pieces. I'm anxious to hear. Yeah. Okay, well, Allison, let's get started with part one, which is really an overview of communities of practice. I am so lucky to have Kim Murphitt here. Hello, Kim. Hi, Julie. Can you please introduce yourself and tell folks, our listeners, what you do in school and also with Participate? Absolutely. So I am an IB coordinator in Cabarrus County and I have been in education for 20 years. I've served as a regular education teacher, as a global educator, curriculum writer, instructional coach, and and as a mentor. And then I also have been fortunate enough to work alongside of the education strategy team at Participate, where I work with primarily peer review for both global schools and for communities of practice. Kim, you've been so generous to be with us on a three-part series around communities of practice. And here at Participate, we're really diving into communities of practice. We really believe um, that they're sort of the right vehicle, especially for teacher-driven professional development. So in your words, what does a community practice sort of mean to you? Well, basically, a community of practice consists of three interrelated and independent elements. So It's around a domain of knowledge and a community of people who share a common practice. So for me, I think of it as sort of like the people who you share your interests with and you're intentionally working alongside of and you're working collaboratively to support growth in one another. You know, I think that all of us have been a part of some communities of practice that work, some don't. In terms of how you just described it, what do you think are sort of the elements of a really successful one? It, it really works well when everyone is invested mm-hmm. in the work together. And, you know, in schools, sometimes we're, we're put together with PLCs, and, and that's great when they're functioning healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're not, and you're not getting what you need there, what do you do? So you need those people who share that, that passion and the same interests as you. And sometimes that, that's within your school, and sometimes it can be with outside of your walls of your school, and you still want to grow. So I think having the ability to group with people who you find that common um, passion with is really important. 
Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. We talk a lot about professional development, thinking about different informal and formal ways of doing professional development. So what is the communities of practice? What does that bring to the mix? Well, you know, we always talked about how learning is social by nature. And I think that having different ways to work with others, it's maybe sometimes not just the same traditional ways that you're engaging in a school environment is is important. And, you know, it only makes sense that if we want to grow, then we're going to need support from others that can fill in those places where we're just not quite there yet and give us the supports that are necessary and, and the resources that grow us. And um, I find it sometimes crazy that in a world where we're so connected, that we're sometimes as teachers so isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think a community of practice is that thing that makes all the learning happen for you. Um, what are some of the other benefits of the community of practice for teachers? So I think another one would be, you know, having choice because you're mm-hmm. joining in these communities because you feel a connection to this work and you have a knowledge that you're bringing to others. And so sometimes as teachers, you don't all often get a chance to lead in some ways in, mm-hmm. in a community. You have that opportunity. And also, you know, the the relationships, because like we said before, you're in this work, not just for a little bit of time or not just for one course or something like that, but you're with these people for a a longer period of time where you can really develop those relationships. And I think, um, you know, that, that ongoing learning to work with one another and share those responsibilities and tasks and contribute to the growth of one another, it just gets stronger and stronger over time. Tell us a little bit maybe about a specific experience that you had maybe on a community of practice, like how that sort of affected you in your role. Um, you said you, you know, you're an IB coordinator. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the sort of IB coordinator role and then maybe the, a community of practice that really helped you in that role and also spell out IB for folks in the audience that may not know what that is? Sure. So IB is International Baccalaureate and For me, we are a candidate school, so having other people who are in the same sort of boat as I am working through this process together, having that support um, that can be a guide to me, and then also having others who are maybe further along in the process who are authorized schools, having their insight and support means a lot to me. And I think, you know, just finding ways that that I can contribute to them as well is is something that I feel like is a mutual benefit for everyone. Remind me about the stage where your school is at with the International Baccalaureate Program. Sort of where is your school at in, in applying to that? So we are a candidate school right now, and we're hoping to apply for um, authorization in the spring. So again, you know, having having these opportunities to connect with others and share knowledge and practices and approaches. It just Mm -hmm. strengthens everything that I do. And then I can give that back to to the students and to the teachers. Um, What are some of the challenges for teachers out there? Um, We know time is always an issue. So what do you think are some other challenges and what are ways that you've seen teachers get around those? So I think, you know, yeah, we talked about time, you know, everything seems scheduled all the time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and for learning to really take place, sometimes you need some time to just digest that knowledge and and spend some time with it on your own. And so that's one of the reasons why I love communities of practice and being able to branch out sort of into 
things beyond the walls of the school. Yeah. Join into things like Twitter um, and get grow a professional learning network that way because sometimes we start thinking that because we know what happens in our school or in our counties that like that's the only way to do things and we don't want to be like that you know we want yeah. to learn from others as well so being having that opportunity to connect with people outside of your school and district can it can be transformational let's end this segment of communities of practice with where can teachers find them well i would have to start with um participate. We have, there's amazing communities of practice that you can find. They're just a click away. So if you go to participate.com, you'll see all different kinds of communities mm-hmm. that you can join in. And um, like I said before, you, you, you can also join in through Twitter, finding people who are interested in the same ideas and areas that you are and join them in them that way. And I think once you start connecting to others, you'll just find it keeps going and going and going, and you'll find different ways to, to join and work with others. So before many years ago, you're a really active global educator. What were some other places that you found your um, peeps, your global educators? Once I got hooked into Twitter and really started growing my professional learning network, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't stop. I mean, I think I have learned so much through Twitter, probably than, than many of the PD trainings that I've sat through, because yeah. I just feel like I, I can get there and get what I need from others and then continue to engage in conversations outside of that Twitter chat. And I feel like they're always there when, when I need something else from them or a question and I can get that so much quicker than sitting in maybe a training session where I'm going to take those things and it's just going to go onto the shelf. All right. Well, that's a great place to end this first segment. And Kim, I'm so excited you're going to join us next time. We're going to talk about peer review. We've talked about peer review a lot. We've been thinking about that a lot at Participate. And we're going to talk specifically about how the peer review process is embedded in communities of practice and how that works. All right. So we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Kim. Thanks, Julie. Wow, Julie, that was great. I, I know you enjoyed your time talking with Kim and to hear her perspective, you know, in her role as a teacher or a mentor or a coach, she has really seen communities of practice have benefits, not just for her, but for the people she interacts with and works with every day and then ultimately have an impact with students. Yeah. And what's been so great about Kim is having that perspective that's really been grown from her experience in schools and mentoring teachers in the physical school, um, how she's really applying that to online communities of practice, which is is really the role she's taken on at Participate. And I think she really sees it as an empowerment tool for teachers, Mm -hmm. Um, really how do they sort of connect with each other in the school building and when they can't, how they find their um, community online. Correct. And and she talked about a lot of times teachers feel isolated, Mm -hmm. you know, not having someone that... close by that could help their growth. But then she talked about how this community of practice helps to fill in the gaps. Uh, And learning does happen and take place for for teachers in environments like communities of practice. And the the wonderful thing about online communities of practice, which sometimes don't even happen in in face-to-face communities, where even when they're effective, is again, that documentation. So that's kind of the affordance of the online community of practice is that that whole relationship, the documents that teachers share with each other, the kinds of learning that they're doing, whether informal or informal learning experiences, it's, it's all right there. Yeah. It's a great way to learn. You know, we, we always are, are looking for those ways to, to grow as professionals and communities of practice just happens to be a great vehicle for that. Okay, well, next time um, in part two of this three-part series, we're going to be talking about peer review. And 
you know, sometimes peer review is not always a part of communities of practice. Um, at Participate, we're really thinking about how those integrate. So we're going to talk to Kim about that. Sounds great. The Agile Admin wants to hear from you. We would love to include your stories of successes and challenges. Reach out to us through email at agileadmin at participate.com. A-G-I-L-E-A-D-M-I-N at participate.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AgileAdmin. The Agile Administrator is produced by Caroline Weeks and edited by Aaron Kane. Our theme music was written by David Hill at Trailblazer Studios. The podcast is a production of Participate, a place to learn, create, and collaborate. I'm Julie, and join us next time on The Agile Administrator.